0: lady here welcome back to part two of podcasting is a new kink and welcome back to my review of hbo's lovecraft country today we are going to be talking about some of my favorite lines i'm going to give you a breakdown of what happened while these lines were being said and i'm going to tell you why they resonate with me so much let's do it All right, so I did not have a favorite line in every episode, but I did have some episodes where I had multiple favorite lines. So we're not going to go episode by episode, but we'll just go in order from the first episode to the last. So I actually don't have a favorite line until episode four. So that is where we're starting. (laughs) So episode four, four minutes in. Christina shows up at the Winthrop house. She wants Letty to give her Horatio's ori. And of course, Letty is like, hold up. I don't know about this. She's a little cautious. And, you know, she's wondering what Christina's real motives are. She assumes that it's something more. And she questions. She's like, hold up. You know, it got to be something to do with Atticus, right? The dialogue is Letty. So you want something in this house then? Something that has to do with Atticus, Christina. Don't let the men fool you into thinking it's always about them. Ooh, I love this line so freaking much. It was like so powerful, especially for this show because it is filled with like these powerful women and these powerful characters. And I just, I loved it. It was a, for me, like, fuck them niggas moment. It ain't always about them, (laughs) you know? And I just, I just wish I could say that to all women. Like, it is not always about the men. Do not let them make you think that. And also, like, don't let your ego fool you into thinking that either. It ain't always about them. And that's on period. Episode four has another one of my favorite lines, 20 minutes and 30 seconds in. That's when our crew goes to the museum to figure out how to get into Titus's vault to get those missing pages. There is a white woman leading a tour and you hear her say some wild shit that was just so perfect for the time. The dialogue is in this one of our museum's oldest sections, we see the many artifacts the famed explorer Titus Braithwaite was given in exchange for teaching the savage tribes the ways of the civilized man. Now, we all know that that just means it was stolen <laughs> from the indigenous people who were living wherever he traveled. And I just, I love the line because it really adds to the authenticity of the time period. On to episode five. At 13 minutes and 23 seconds in, we see Atticus tending to his, like his hand and his knuckles and all the bruises there after he beat the shit out of his dad for killing the two-spirit Yahima. And burning the Book of Names pages in the previous episode that all hap- happened in episode 4. So they're having a conversation about what happened. They're really talking about the violence that Atticus experienced in the war. And here's a dialogue. Letty, seeing that side of you scares me. Tick, please don't be scared of me. This line gave me chills. Now something to know about me. Is my partner is. A big black man. (laughs) He is 6'7. Almost 300 pounds. He is dark skinned. And he has a really thick. Long beard. Now he is the sweetest person. A huge teddy bear. He's like so kind. so caring. But. I have this feeling, you know, when he goes out into the world, especially when I'm not there. It's sort of a feeling like I talked about in the last episode when I was talking about my favorite lines from the book. Well, it's about having a son who the world um, doesn't care for, but in my case, it's having a partner who the world sees as the enemy. You know, they see this big black man and are automatically scared and automatically think he's a thug and all of these things. And he is just so the opposite. Like I said, kindest, caring, biggest teddy bear in the world. So when Tix says that, please don't be scared of me. Oh, it just tugs at my heart because in my relationship, Am I scared of my man? Hell no, absolutely not. He has never done anything to make me fear him or to make me feel like I should fear him. It's never been anything like that. But I know when he goes out into the world that there are people that look at him and are automatically afraid because of just what he looks like. And we've had conversations about that. You know, and in those conversations, we've surmised that home needs to feel like home. Him coming home to a place where he is feared doesn't help him at all because he still has to be on edge. He can't like relax and, as they say, let his hair down. Home has to be home, has has to feel like home And in this situation with these lines, I felt like that is what was being said. That, Letty, you are home for me. You cannot be scared of me. I would never do anything to hurt you. So, yeah. Episode 5 is another one of those episodes where I have two favorite lines. So, again, episode 5 at 16 minutes and 10 seconds in. We see Ruby enjoying a nice bubble bath, and William walks in. Ruby questions, like, why Why did you choose to share magic with me? Of all the color girls on the South Side, you chose me. And, you know, she wants to know why. So they talk for a little minute, and then the conversation leads to talk about a favor that William will eventually ask of her. And he says, until then, do whatever you want. Come and go as you please and literally, like, do whatever you want. Then he questions her about money he left for her that she didn't take. He says he left cash, like, on the nightstand and it's all still there. And he's like, you know, why didn't you take it? And her response is just everything to me. She says... I enjoyed my entire day using the only currency that I needed, whiteness. I don't know what is more difficult, being colored or being a woman. Most days I'm happy to be both, but the world keeps interrupting. And I'm sick of being interrupted. Woo! Woo child. That, like... Oh my gosh, I just, I just, I felt that so much. Like, being Black and being a woman, only we can understand that. Like, I I don't even want to explain it too much, because if you're Black and you're a woman, you most likely understand how she's feeling and where all of that energy is coming from. So I'm just going to leave that at that. All right, episode six. At 19 minutes and 35 seconds in, Jia and Yongja are walking from the hospital when a crowd of people gather to hang a man. So the women are having a conversation about love and fear and control and being different. And I just, I really love what she says in this moment. She says... There's nothing wrong with being different. What's wrong is all of them vilifying us for it. And that is just a motherfucking fact. It really makes me think of all my brave ass queers out there who are taking a stand just to be themselves, just to wear whatever the hell they want, just to call themselves whatever the hell they want just to be more aligned with whatever aligns with them. Like, it's it's crazy to me that I even have to call them brave, but in this world that we live in, especially in America, we know that that is absolute bravery. Being yourself is an act of defiance. And I really love that the writers brought that out in this scene and in that line. <laughs> ¶¶ Hey y'all, Pink Lady here. I'm a podcast producer, director, coach, and host. And I wanna tell you all about my production company, Pink Lady Productions. We collaborate with creatives like you who are driven to share your message by launching your podcast from A to Z and coaching you through the process. To learn more about our services, check out our website at pinkladyprod.com. That's P-I-N-K L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D dot com. All right, episode seven. At 47 minutes and 15 seconds in, Hippolyta is on her journey. We know episode seven is all about Aunt Hippolyta. And she is, you know, going to all the different places on her journey And now she is back in bed with her husband. Shout out to bringing Courtney back. I was so happy to see him because if you listen to episode nine, you know that I was very upset that he died. But we won't go back into that. Go ahead and listen to episode nine and I'll talk all about it. So, yeah, they brought Courtney back and she's explaining her journey and everything that she did. And they're talking about the many worlds theory and she's just so excited to see him. And the dialogue here is just really amazing. Um, Hippolyta has a fantastic monologue about shrinking. That is the monologue that I am choosing. It's not a favorite line, this one. It is just a favorite moment of words, a favorite monologue. Because it's just amazing. So... George says, after all of your adventures, everything you saw, you still named yourself my wife. And after that, everything, the whole energy, the mood, all, it just shifts. And you see Hippolyta just really thinking. And then she comes out with this dope-ass monologue. And I don't do it justice. I know I'm not going to do it justice. (laughs) So go and check out episode seven. At 47 minutes and 15 seconds. But this is what she says. I think now. I can name the thing. That's been eating at me so quietly. So quiet. Sometimes I thought I was. Tired. Sad. Or. Missing you. When you were out on the road. But really. I was. I was angry, so angry, because for so much of my life I've been shrinking. When I was a kid, I thought I was big enough to have every right to name something out of this world, and then I just started shrinking myself. By the time I met you, I'd already gotten so small, and I thought, You knew how big I wanted to be. I thought you saw me. But you just stood by and let me shrink myself more for you. (sighs) Jeez, that, 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 that. Number one, I just want to say, like... This is what happens when we have women as the executive producers and the directors. These moments are so freaking epic. It is... mm, Like, I got chills again. (laughs) Um, I felt the same way growing up. I grew up in a very Christian, very religious household and... You know, Christians believe that you should be like Christ, like Jesus. And that is, like, definite. There is no room for you. Especially as a Black woman in the church. (laughs) Like, we are told what to be. We are supposed to be these perfect examples of being quiet and speak when spoken to and not having opinions and just just not being strong women, just being subservient, just being submissive, you know? And shrinking, I just feel like, is the perfect word because who I am, everything that I am, all that I am, like she says, was just shrinking, just shrinking to try to fit into the mold that was already set for me. And fuck that. I am so glad that I've had the experiences that I've had to teach me that that is absolute bullshit that we are not supposed to shrink to become the form that people want us to be. We are meant to grow and grow and grow and just continue to grow and get bigger and become more of ourselves. And I think it's very important also to have a partner that encourages you to grow and to keep growing and to keep being more of yourself. It's important to have a partner that doesn't help you shrink to be more of what they want you to be. Episode 8 at 25 minutes and 14 seconds in, Ruby and Christina are together. This is right after they just had sex. Uh Ruby Transformed into her white self Dell, and Christina was as William, and we kind of just saw them having sex as those people and then transforming into their real selves, which I thought was very powerful. But this is not what this is about right now. This is about lines and dialogue. So after they have sex, they are talking about Emmett Till's murder. Ruby asked Christina if she cares. She doesn't, clearly, but she doesn't say anything yet. Ruby talks about her feelings of being heartbroken, scared, furious, tired. So fucking tired of feeling this way over and over. That is a direct quote. Ruby talks about how Christina could never understand because she is not Black. You know, she would never get it. Ruby wants her to feel guilty for feeling safe because of her privilege. That is another direct quote. The dialogue here is amazing. Not only what Ruby says, but what Christina says, I think is just so powerful. So here it goes. Ruby says, you want to know why I took that potion? Because today of all days, I didn't want to be a black woman Fucking a white man. Christina replies. And admits. That she doesn't care. And she says. That she really. Doesn't think that Ruby. Cares either. And she says. You took that potion. Because you wanted to hide. From the fact. That even on today. Of all days. You were a woman who wanted what she wanted. Period. Like that was just too damn real for me because as women, most of the time we don't go after what we want or we feel guilty for wanting things. We feel like we don't deserve certain things. We feel like we should be sacrificing for our families and you know we should just want our partners, our husbands, and our children to be happy. And no, fuck that. You want what you want, and that is okay. It is okay to want what you want as long as you're working toward what you want. Because you know it, this is not Lovecraft country. <laughs> we don't we don't live in that world, so. Magic doesn't really exist to us, depending on your definition of magic. But go after what you want. Be okay with what you want. We got to lose these feelings of guilt and shame for wanting things. And we have to start going after what we want and getting them. Period. All right, episode nine. At 35 minutes and 5 seconds in, our heroes have traveled back in time to get the book of names. So this is Montrose, Letty, and Tick. They all travel back to the 1920s to get the book of names from Tick's mom's side of the family. But they get separated when Montrose goes to warn his old friend Thomas about his death that is about to occur. So Tick reaches up to Montrose and is trying to stop him. But Montrose is very persistent. He has his mind set on it and he is not going to let anything get in his way. Tick like really roughs him up and kind of like pushes him against the wall and tells him to like, stop, stop and think about what you're risking. And Montrose gives this amazing monologue. Yes, it is another monologue. And I will not do it justice, but these words are amazing. And here they are. I have. Thomas won't mean much. He's just the first in a long list of sacrifices I made to be your father. You see right there? I'm telling him we can't be friends no more because he's a faggot and I'm not. I lied to him and myself for years. I cut out all the soft parts of myself just to be a man because men have sons. I swallowed my pride when we found out your mama was pregnant and you could be George's. But you were my son. You had to be. I did it all and I would do it again because the only thing I ever wanted to be was your father. So it can't change. It can't. I just thought this was like a beautiful father-son moment. I think this is what was lacking from Montrose's character the whole time. Like we really needed to see this side of him. Atticus needed to see this side of him. And Montrose got to let some weight off his chest, which I I loved. Now, none of this was in the book. Uh you can go back to the Diversions episode, the one before this episode 10 and check that out where I talk about diversions between the show and the book. But It was so necessary to the story. Men have sons. That line right there is just like, society has this power over us, especially back in that generation. But even now, like society has this power, this hold on us. And society dictates what we have to do and how we have to live our lives. And that's just... You know, it's bullshit. You know, it doesn't actually dictate anything. We make the decisions, you know, so that it was just a a really beautiful moment, a great father son moment, a great moment to show like the importance of really being your authentic self and making decisions based on, again, what you want. And last but not least, episode 10 at 23 minutes and 53 seconds in, Tick goes to meet Gia. He tries to make amends and just like keep it real about their relationship and just have some dialogue to calm things down. So it ends up turning into a conversation about loss and grief. And I just, I thought it was amazing. So Tick starts with, I was too scared to see it at first, when you first showed up. But our connection, our intertwined destinies, it makes us family. He goes on to say, you were the one who reminded me, we have a choice. We can be monsters or heroes. And that right there is the like golden lesson. It is like the main theme, even bigger than all the other themes that I talked about. We have a choice. We can be whatever we want to be, whether it's monsters or heroes. Or something on that spectrum in between. So, I also wanted to mention when I was planning to do this podcast series and this review of Lovecraft Country, I watched it over. I watched the entire series over with my partner, and he had some comments. So, I'm going to throw them out right now. His first comment came in episode four. When did Black Guinea teas come out? I did not have an answer. <laughs> but maybe someone listening will have an answer. In episode four, Tick is wearing one and Babe was just not feeling that he had one on. He was just like, nah, I don't think that's authentic to the times. So he wasn't feeling it. In episode six, he did not like that he had to read almost everything. <laughs> episode six is the one about the korean war where we see atticus's background uh what happened in the war with him and gia and he did not appreciate having to read almost everything i didn't mind i use subtitles and captions when i watch tv when i watch anything so didn't bother me much (laughs) episode seven quote she just forgot about her daughter talking about Aunt Hippolyta in episode 7 when she decides to go on a journey after she finds the machine and she knows that she can go wherever her mind can send her. She decides to do that and not go back for D. and Babe did not appreciate that. (laughs) And then last but not least, they did that back then? This is year whatever, man. This is in reference to Hippolyta's blue hair. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, like I said, was not born in the 1950s. I don't think they did blue hair back then, but this show is timeless. Yes, it was set in the 1950s, but it is absolutely timeless. It's goes from 1950s the 1920s the future like with Hippolyta I don't I don't even know all the places she was at so yeah timeless and that is all for today next episode we are going to wrap it up and I'm going to talk about my favorite favorite moments in this series see you then Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything I talked about on this episode, you can DM me on Instagram at PinkLadyProd. That's P-I-N-K-L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D. Or you can email me at Jasmine at PinkLadyProd.com. Jasmine is spelled J-A-S-M-I-N-E. If you want more info about Pink Lady Productions or me, you can visit our website at pinkladyprod.com. Subscribe to Podcasting is the new king for updates on new episodes, and please feel free to share it. Also, please rate and review the show. Peace.